Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. It is a football Friday. Welcome into the rest of the network joining us for this 11 o'clock hour. That is Grant Bills. I am Ben Kenny. In for Bill today. Bill will be back Sunday night for the Green and Gold postgame show, as well as all of next week as we look forward after Packers Bears coming up Sunday night. Badgers on the field Saturday hosting New Mexico State. Oh, it's a grant. The reaction to yesterday was interesting. So yes. there's a lot of talk after Aaron Rodgers meets with the media as there normally is in this state. But after a, a poor showing from the passing game generally on Sunday against the Vikings where Christian Watson after the drop, he gets one target from Rodgers. AJ Dillon is the team's leading receiver. And is that the only reason the team lost? Obviously not. The offensive line struggled a bit. The secondary struggled to contain Justin Jefferson. A lot was at play. A lot of which you figure will be a lot better as they move on from preseason week five or week four, if you will. But the reaction to the offense stuff, there's there's a lot of thought out there that, you know, Rogers says you have to be patient with the receivers. And he's not going to change how he plays. He needs them to pick it up and get to a point where he can really start trusting them with the football more so than maybe he does now. And that lack of trust, it showed up, right? Like AJ Dillon's your leading receiver. That's not really, uh, that's not a path to victory when you move forward. So there's a Twitter poll up now, and we're going to get into this. Who was the most responsible as we move forward and get away from week one? Last year, uh, who was responsible? Rodgers and Adams did a lot. It was team-wide, it all worked, right? But Devontae Adams isn't here. The personnel on this offense is different. So where we stand today, who is the most responsible as we move ahead for making this Packers offense work? And it can mean a lot of things. You could go a lot of ways with it. But the three options, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, the young receivers. What say you, Grant Bills? I think, well, obviously, naturally, as you've gone back and forth with folks on Twitter, it's a combination of everyone. But if we have to pick one and who's most responsible, I think it's Rodgers because Rodgers is best at his job, right? Rodgers, because he's so good and he's been doing this for so long and he has such you know, a, a vast, I think, wealth of experience of different receivers and different situations, that he's got all of the keys and the tools to really tweak and make this work, right? He's He's got, how do I want to put this? He's, he is the most powerful, the most experienced, the best of the three. Malafleur is a good coach, third year. He's pretty solid in these wide receivers. I like him. But Rodgers is that man. And I, I like how you worded it earlier, Ben. It's like, who's going to get the most credit if this turns around? Who are we going to celebrate and who are we going to compliment if this turns around? It's going to be Rodgers because he's going to have to create connections with these young wide receivers and really kind of tweak the way he might be doing things for a long time, whether it be with Adams or Jordy Nelson or all these great receivers, it's Rogers. I think that's going to have to figure some things out and, and he will be the one I think that gets the credit when this offense really starts humming. 100%. It's, I mean, football is a game where you kind of live and, and die with the quarterback. However, there are also a lot of scenarios where it's not on them. Uh, sometimes the head coach is a detriment. We see that with Matt Nagy really uh, throughout his entire time in Chicago. Sometimes the yeah. offensive line is a detriment. We've seen that numerous times across the league with great quarterbacks. But still, at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about this new, uh, the new look personnel at the receiver room. I'm not asking Aaron Rodgers to change how he plays, right? Like there's a reason 
we are talking about him as the guy who is going to drive whether this offense succeeds or not because he is good enough and has shown it throughout his entire career that he deserves to be on that pedestal of A, greatness, but also B, uh, responsibility, I guess, when it comes to the offense succeeding. I don't need him to change anything. He's freaking Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, if things aren't working, and then he is also, I I don't want to use the word stubborn, but uh, stubborn enough, I guess, in that, you know, he's not going to change and it really is the receivers and they aren't along and I can't trust him. I do think there, there have to be concessions, I guess. Like it's on him to make all of this work for me. So I say Rogers as well. 61 and a half percent at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter. Agree. 27.6. Do say Matt LaFleur. 10.8%. The wide receivers. It's one of those deals where it is all of them. I understand people answering the different guys, but in terms of most, I don't know how you could look past Rodgers because if it all works, if this offense rises back to the level it was last season, passing-wise especially, it will 100% be because of Aaron Rodgers. So we're going to rush to praise him and compliment him. At the same time, if the same struggles are seen throughout the season, I, I think we're, I, or for the same reasons, I should add, right? Like if their offensive line just gets completely crushed often, and Rodgers just can't do anything with the football, then there is other context to be added. But overall, if we get the same press conference answers with the same we need to be patient, I'm not going to change anything kind of deal, then 100% the blame should also go in that direction as well. It's an either-or proposition, but when you're that good, that is that is the pedestal you're on. I think that is the standard yeah. that you should be held to. So I don't... I I believe it's going to be good. I believe long-term this offense is going to work. I don't mean this to say I don't think it will, but at the end of the day, who is it on to make it work? It's Aaron Rodgers. I think that's clear to me. I got a text uh, from one of my listeners to this studio line from Rock and Rick. Rick. I didn't even think about this. What say you about this, Mr. Ben Kenny? This text says, Rodgers is making the most bank. He gets the most responsibility. That's fair. I... Money's tough uh, because, like, when he signed the contract, one could point out, you know, oh, now they can't keep this and they can't do that and they can't do that. I would say yes in a way, but that's just naturally the quarterback position in the NFL. Those guys are making all the money anyway. And even Mm. if, even if Rodgers was on a, well, I guess if Rodgers was on a rookie contract, then he wouldn't have reached the point in his career where it's a do or die proposition with him, right? Yeah. So, uh, yes. It's the money thing, but it's not the dollar sign amount or what it does with the team. It's just the fact that his stature is large enough where this is, I mean, this is the responsibility he has. Um, I have received some some comments to the Twitter poll. Again, at Ben Z. Kenny, if you want to chime in. One says, where's the all of, all of the above answer? Because all three are equally responsible to make the Packers offense work. Uh, there's no all the above because the wording is who is the most responsible. There's one answer to this, and you can answer it a lot of different ways. I would push back on them all being equal because I don't think they're all equal. I don't think so. Matt LaFleur calls the plays, but who has the final say at the line of scrimmage? Aaron Rodgers, right? Like yeah. there are that was the whole disconnect between him and McCarthy at the end of the day. So it, it was on or it is on the quarterback at the line of scrimmage for what play they actually end up running. So I would put Rodgers a little bit ahead of LaFleur, though I do think Matt LaFleur plays a big part of this. And then the young receivers, I mean, I, they're going to do what they can do. It's like the, the yeah. offense isn't going to live and die by whether they come along and whether they produce, because as we have seen, the potential is there. They just have to get the football. 
And it's on the quarterback to do that. And I think Watson and Dobbs, especially, I don't know that we need to talk about Toure or Winfrey or any of these other guys. Well, Mario Rogers is just not, not an option. He's just not even on the offense. Some are saying that Amari Rogers gave up his role on the offense to be the savior of the special teams. It was actually a very selfless move. By, you said that. By Amari. I, I did say that, but who knows? Some others might in the future as well. Maybe join in with me. I, I want to push back on the idea that it's up to the wide receivers to get on board or they won't play. Right? You hear that a lot. It's like, well, the wide receivers are going to learn to do it Rogers way and Lafleur's way, and they're going to fit in or they're not going to play. I get that that sounds like clever and I guess it's right, but also, and I'm speaking to my fellow Packers fans and owners here, we need wide receivers. I, I like, I, I don't want them to not, I want them to play. I want them to play. So saying, well, they can figure it out or they won't play, but I want them to play. We need talented athletic pass catchers on this offense. So I, to me, it's not as simple as they do it Rogers way or they don't do it at all. Well, well, we need someone to play wide receiver, though. And I don't want it to be Cobb and Watkins and, you know, Toure all season long or whoever, Jawan Winfrey. These guys are going to have to meld, yes, and learn to do it Rodgers' way. But until they're really dialed in with Rodgers, I think Rodgers and Lafleur can meet him halfway. Or as I keep saying, maybe not halfway, meet him a third of the way. Just give him a little bit of, you know, help. It's also kind of a question of one side. It's a question of adapt. This is... In the scenario that the receivers don't come around to what Rodgers needs or they don't come along as much as we maybe want them to, it's a question of the ability on one side to come around like that because this Mm -hmm. is who you have on the team. It's not like another guy is going to come in and be your savior. Like, is OBJ out there? Yes. Until I see that actually happen, I'm not going to come into Green Bay. He's also not the savior, Uh, but the Packers will be interested after he signs with another team. Uh, well, of course, it's a question of ability <laughs> on one side and the question of adaptation on the other, where does Rogers have the ability in the event that the receivers don't rise to his standards? Does he have the ability to adapt for the better of the offense? I think he does. I think it will be worked out, but it is on. It, it's a question of can he adapt versus can the other side have the ability to do something? And that's more of a yes or no proposition when it comes to the receivers. Uh, by saying roll out the helmets, I invoked the host of this show on the day-to-day, the D-to-D, Bill Michaels, the big unit. Uh, allow me to invoke the voice of another host that I love, uh, Colin Cowherd. <laughs> Colin Cowherd says all the time <laughs> that he, he, he's not about getting it right. Or what does he say? He's not about being right. He's about getting it right. God. Right? Have you heard him say this? <laughs> I course. think this applies to our world as a whole. We're like, people these days love being right about things even if being right doesn't get you anywhere, you know, like I, I guess I can't think of a, of an example, but I think with the Packers, I, I think everyone's like, well, these wide receivers can figure it out or they won't play. And then if they don't figure it out, they won't play. And everyone will be like, see, they need to learn how to do it. Rogers way. I was right. Rogers was right. I, I don't want to be right. I want to get it right. As our friend Colin Cowherd says, probably to an obnoxious level. At an obnoxious level, I would agree. Yeah. Though. Yes. I I'm a cowherd supporter. I am too. I like what he brings to the world, but yes, that is an overused phrase at times. I'm with you. <laughs> Some other responses at Ben Z Kenny on Twitter. Uh, keep it. Mark says, keep it simple. Uh, Twelve is supposed to make everyone better. Go pack. And I, that's another. It's like how much do you elevate the guys around you? 
and yeah, we brought up Brady. Like this is this has a chance to be one of the most impressive seasons or jobs that Aaron Rodgers has done because oh, yeah. of what is out there or the lack of what is out there and because of where he is in his career. Like if if they go and they win the NFC and if they win the Super Bowl this year, it will be the most impressive season of his career given the context of everything that's gone on. But I yeah. does he elevate everyone else around him throughout the season? We'll see that. Troy says the offensive line, uh, when it comes to all of this, the offense is not a yes or no proposition as to whether, you know, if the offensive line plays well, they win. If they don't, they don't kind of deal. It's a very important piece. But in terms of who's the most responsible for it all to click and all to mesh together, I wouldn't say offensive line. They probably have more of a role than the young wide receivers do in terms of most responsible. They might even have a bigger role than LaFleur does but it still is not above Rodgers for me. I agree. I, I think Rodgers is, he's a chef in this instance, right? And he's given all these ingredients. I think they're pretty good ingredients. Like he's got a, an essentially a first round pick wide receiver. Like there's a lot of good physical traits there, right? Like speed and separation and strength and jump ball ability and Dobbs. They really seem to have something going on. And, and there are good young offensive linemen and, and good running backs. I think there are a lot of great ingredients at Aaron Rodgers disposal and Matt LaFleur. It's up to them over the course of the season to really like bring it all together. I, I like there's been seasons with Aaron Rodgers where he's done a ton with not very much. Like 2016, you didn't really have much going on. He had Jared Cook and an old Jordy Nelson and a defense that stunk, right? And he got that team to an NFC championship game. I think the ingredients on this team are are very, very good. They just need a little prep. Like we need to we need to do some slicing and dicing and seasoning and marinating and we got work to do but it it can be done and I think it could turn out to be a a really good meal to be really obnoxious about this analogy I'm like it's just going to take some work I, could, I think Rogers is up to that task don't you he's really good yes I could take that analogy a step further the ingredients are kind of farm to table vibe you didn't go to some local grocery store some chain with a lot of pra- uh, pasteurized stuff stuff that's been heavily processed and is ready to be made, right? Where that would then be a lot easier. You just throw it on the grill and then it's done, right? Yeah. Instead, yeah. it's maybe uh, more farm to table. You got to use it very specifically. <laughs> I, I'm not a cooking connoisseur by any means, but you got to- We gotta, should call Bill. He can tell us about his Traeger. Or, does he have a Traeger? I, I know he, a smoker, something. I don't know the answer to that. I, I assume so. I assume so. Yeah. 877-867-1670. The Twitter poll is up. Who is the most responsible as we move throughout the season for making this Packers offense work? 62% still say Rodgers. I agree with that sentiment. 27.3% say LaFleur. 106 say the wide receivers. Uh, and a couple other responses are all like the ball's in Rodgers' hands. Uh, and I'm with that. I don't grant the 10% that have answered to this poll. I'm going to be completely honest. I It seems like there's a there's a fright out there when it comes to this offense and this team to ever think that it could maybe, if it doesn't work, be Rodgers' fault. And this is a long-term view, and it's a view that I don't see playing out. But in the event, like what if, let's play the what if game mm-hmm. for a second. What if mm-hmm. they lose this weekend? What if the offense looks horrible again? I think the tone is a lot different next week, no doubt, because that's not yeah. just the week one loss. It's the week two loss against the Bears at home. They're 10-point favorites. I think they win. I think they cover. But what if they lose? I still don't know if the tone from the 10.6% excuse me, 
would change where I, it'll always be something else when it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, this is, this is our country. This is the way we work now, right? We want to be right. This is what I'm saying. I'm not worried about being right all the time. In fact, it's fun sometimes to be wrong. A little spice of life. It's a fun surprise when I think I'm going to be right about something I'm wrong. I, I don't need to be right. I want my team to get it right, right? So however that works, if we go through this weekend and, wow, Rodgers is throwing seeds and Dobbs and Watson just don't know how to, you know, make left from right, well, then I'll come back next week. I'll be like, okay, you know what? Actually, these rookie wide receivers, they are behind. You know, and Rodgers is you know, going out of his way to meet them halfway and work with them, right? So, like, I, what my fear is, if the Packers were to lose this weekend, which I don't think will happen, we come back next week, and the pro-Rodgers crowd is more pro, and the anti-Rodgers crowd is more anti, right? That's my fear. And I don't think we should be that way, Yeah, right? We should be more fluid in what we believe about certain things based on what we see, but we're not very good at that. Yeah, or more realistic when it comes to the game of football, yeah. the quarterback yeah. position. If That's it works... Thing. When it this, works, this fan base, this fan base just isn't used to losing. And, and we think going into a season, we tell ourselves, oh, the offense will get off to a slow start. And then they get off to a slow start and we lose our minds. You know what I mean? Like, we're just not good dealing with a team that's not winning. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's the nature of the game. It often is either successful because of the quarterback position or not successful also because of the quarterback position. And as I've said, I will repeat this again so it is very clear. I think they win on Sunday. I think moving forward, this team wins the North. I think they have a terrific shot at winning the NFC and getting to a Super Bowl. And then we'll see. Once you're there, you have a roll of the dice or a bite at the apple, as Mr. Stearns likes to say. And then uh, you see what happens. Maybe you win it. When it's like from week one, it didn't go well offense-wise, passing game-wise, obviously. When it does turn around, which I'm confident it will, Rodgers will be the first person I will come here and praise because I think he has the capability to make this all work with the guys he has. When I see it, I will be the first one to come out here and compliment praise Rogers for the job he has done. But until we directly see that on the field with this new receiving core and with this new team, I can't be there. And that's why we're having this conversation. They're 0-1. So 877-867-1670. You want to chime in, do it. How do you feel about this offense? Whose responsibility overall moving forward is it for this offense to work. Matt LaFleur recently got done meeting with the media. It was short. We'll hear that coming up next as well as Grant Bills. We'll continue this conversation. Packers Bears coming up Sunday. There is some trouble in Dallas and it has to do with Mike McCarthy. I'll tell you what that is next as well. That is Grant Bills. I'm Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Grant Bills, get the sounder ready. I'm Ben Kenny. That's Grant Bills. Oh. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Get that Zach Halpern sounder ready. Like, I don't always have it ready. I have a couple of little news and notes before we talk about the Packers defense here. Uh, number one, uh, our, the great Zach Halpern, WOZN Sports Director. Uh, a terrific update, as always is the case. Uh, number one, shout out Wisconsin women's volleyball. Uh, a dynasty, many are wondering. Looking to break the attendance record tonight. 
Uh, they are, I mean, if you want to follow any Badger sport and actually be rewarded, I, everyone, oh, you got to expect national titles, all this stuff. Women's hockey is one, obviously, but I've gotten very much into the volleyball program. Shout out to them. Just had to do that. Well, it's a volleyball school now. It is, uh, in a way, women's hockey as well. Uh, number two, news and note number two, who wins the NFT World Series tonight with the Yankees and the Brewers? The NFT, oh. I didn't realize what you're saying. Who wins the series? No, the NFT World Series. When are they handing them out? I thought that was tonight. Is it tonight? Is it tomorrow? Did they promote the tweet? I can go look. Do you need a special app to store an NFT? I, I, I'm so unaware of how all of this works, and I feel like most Brewers fans are, so the fact that the Brewers are celebrating this right. is just nuts. I have most no of, clue. The, not to be a jerk, but I'll say it. Most of the Brewer fans who can't figure out an NFT were the same people that couldn't figure out how to watch last night's football game. That's, that's, that's the crowd that we're like, Hey, here's a digital collectible. You're welcome. Also, like, let's be honest. It's, I, I figure like San Francisco, the Bay area, big NFT world, you know, like Silicon Valley vibes just sure. doesn't strike me as, as an NFT world here. And I could be wrong, but uh, we'll see the other note. And uh, can you please play the sounder? Oh, yes. Oh, wait. So, like, one at a time. I got you. So, nice story about the NFT. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heil Print. Little, little drive-by on Mike McCarthy there in the update. Did you catch that? What did he say? Matt LaFleur is looking to avoid going 0-2. It would be the first time the Packers have started 0-2 since 2006. Comma. Had to throw this in there. That was also Mike McCarthy's first year as head coach. Zach. I don't, I don't know if that is. I don't know the intent there. That's one of those deals where if you're in a courtroom, it's like something happened, but all you're arguing is the intent. Like, I, I don't know the intent. If it came down to the letter of, of the law and what the judge ruled when whoever banged the gavel, it's like, what was the intent there? So we don't know. Anyway. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Kyle Print. <laughs> Thank you. I love the sounder. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, it's good. Packers defense. Um, speaking of... Yeah, no, there's no good way to tie that in. Packers defense. Hold is, on. What we're, I'll, I'll get, we're going from Mike McCarthy. Um, speaking of high expectations, off to a slow start. Well, yeah, I was also thinking about, because, uh, you know, you go to the drop board. I think about mine. I think about Matt LaFleur. Certainly if you have a huge package. I was going to say speaking of packages, but I realized I hadn't played the clip. So that just didn't work. Anyway, your brain operates at too high of a level. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm three steps ahead of what I haven't done in the future is another week, meaning last week entering this one enough to get all of the woes, the NFL, uh, the preseason week four woes out with the secondary, with the defense as a whole. Is, like, is this a dominating performance we see on Sunday? I think it could be. I We need to get smarter about how we talk defense. A, a general fandom. This isn't just Packers fans. Like you can be an elite defense and for the most part, like have good scheme and give up points. Cause that's how the game works these days. It's 2022. I, I think of that Vikings game last year at us bank. I thought the Packers actually did a lot of good things defensively. Cousins had some good luck under pressure and some balls that just fell the right way. Like I, we can't just look at the scoreboard and say, Oh, I thought this defense was supposed to, it's more complicated than that. 100%. Uh, number one, 
when the game is played at the pace it is today, what naturally mm-hmm. comes with that is more possessions. The reason the Big 12 doesn't play defense is because they're bad at it, but it's also because each team gets, I don't like 15 possessions a game. Meanwhile, Wisconsin's entire, and the Big 10 West as a whole, entire strategy at football is to hold the ball and not actually let the opposing offense get on the field much. So when you have fewer possessions, naturally fewer points are scored. So the point total, yes, 100%. Um, and it's one of those deals where I look at last week and the Vikings had success. The Packers didn't really know what they were going to get against Kevin O'Connell. Uh, Justin Jefferson runs wild, and that was the big story. It seemed to me overall, it, it just, I don't know if it was a lack of, I don't think it was a lack of plan or any, like, it just seemed like a lack of execution generally in the secondary, yeah. uh, as well as obviously a lack of pressure on cousins. But that also could go back to whatever plan. How did they enter the game? I, they tried to take away cook and I cook. I don't know. He got his, but he didn't go as crazy on them as he did uh, a couple years ago yet. I don't know. At the base of it, last week I feel like is an anomaly when it comes to this defense, and another week is enough to get the woes away because it wasn't a talent issue, and everyone knows that. The secondary, probably the, I don't know, top three, maybe the best in the NFL talent-wise. So I, I do think that week is what they needed. The big matchup I'm watching come Sunday is when Justin Fields breaks the pocket because he will, and he's athletic, and even if you pressure him, there are moments where he'll just break away. How does the secondary work off schedule? Are they able to truly contain fields when he does look to extend and make plays like that? Because if you watch his touchdowns against the Niners, a lot of his success came on those kind of plays. He was uh, being creative, breaking the pocket, and then a guy's running free down the field. Similar, uh, as free as Justin Jefferson was, it just came as a result of the extension that fields can bring. So that's that's matchup number one I'm watching. Like, pressure him, but then what does the secondary do on the back end when he's able to break off? I think this is an interesting game to watch, although maybe not judge definitively. Quay Walker, right? Quay Walker was yes. drafted by the Packers, I think, just because they wanted another great athlete roaming around the field. And this is the type of situation and scenario where, you know, having a Quay Walker instead of, a, I don't know, Blake Martinez, Ty Summers, Oren Burks, Right, like that's why you want a guy like Quay Walker, someone with natural speed and ability for when the play breaks down and you need your guy to be faster, stronger, stickier than their guy. This is why you draft Quay Walker. So I, I don't know. I'm not saying that they're going to use him as a spy and Justin Fields is going to be his job, but I'm interested to see what Quay Walker and what kind of role he plays in this game. Because if the Bears are smart, they'll try to run Justin Fields. And Quay Walker, I think, was the guy who was drafted. You're the athlete. Right. If everything else around you holds up and everyone does their job, you as the athlete should be able to run around and make plays. So it'd be fun to watch Quay on Sunday night. I had that written down next. 100%. He flashed. Nice. He looked good against the Vikings. Devondre Campbell to me in this game is a David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert will not get past you in the ground game kind of deal from him as well as when field scrambles. I, I don't want to take anything away from what Campbell can do because he was what an all pro last year one of the best linebackers in football last season. Yeah. I he doesn't feel like a guy that can explode from the secondary from the second level and catch fields in the backfield as he is escaping. That seems like Quay Walker's role. 
where if Devondre Campbell's in the right spot every time, that limits a lot of what the Bears try to do. It can limit what Fields can gain with his legs, no doubt, when he does run the ball. But when Fields scrambles around in the backfield, who has the speed and the pure athleticism to chase him down and create havoc? That's Quay Walker to me. And it, it feels like a he could play free kind of game because I don't know how much the Bears bring in terms of offensive weaponry. Not a lot. Pretty good running backs. But a lot of that is what do you do against Fields? I, I think it fits his skill set well. Like it fits what he could do quite well. So yeah, big game coming. I would I would expect from Quay Walker. This also, I, my gut says, and I could be wrong. My gut says this is a big Rasul Douglas timely interception because he was in the right place kind of game. Mm-hmm. That 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 smells correct to me. Yes, I, I think the Bears wide receiving core is so interesting, and I think about what Charge said yesterday about Darnell Mooney. Right. And how he's concerned about Darnell Mooney being the one good guy on an offense because he's going to draw, you know, assignment XYZ, the best corner, we assume, of the other team. So Rasul Douglas in a matchup like this should be able to make some hay, right? Because he's covering someone who's not as good of a route runner, probably not going to be the first look. So maybe the quarterback's under pressure, Fields got to get out. So he heaves it up to someone who's not his first read, and there lies Rasul Douglas. Or it's one of those if the Packers play zone against fields it's one of the like he is still young he is still learning about defenses and schemes where you know when the older quarterbacks when the it's pre-snap Peyton Manning Rodgers Brady they know exactly what you're playing you could try to disguise it as much as you can but like they have a sense of what you're doing the great ones are are the coordinators are able to disguise everything and really mess with the quarterback's brain because that's what gets to them more than anything right it, it, like pressure is yeah. one thing but not knowing like a, a drop back where you see a different defensive alignment than you expected to see when you were in pre-snap, that really messes with the great one's head, the old ones. When you're young, like when you're fields, you're still kind of learning the ropes and you're not as, I would say, adept at, you know, that instant, like, okay, this is the alignment they're in. This is where I'm going. He doesn't know that yet pre-snap. So that feels like a, you know, uh, they drop into a zone Douglas is hiding out somewhere and he undercuts something Fields tries to do. Yeah. That's how I see it in my brain. Maybe Fields is willing to let it loose and throw the ball because he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. Where Rogers might take a sack or he might throw it away. Right. As opposed to, you know, maybe throwing it into a coverage that he didn't recognize or didn't expect. Fields doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. So you can have opportunistic corners like Rasul Douglas, who, proved to be really opportunistic last year. Right place, right time. You, know, you can describe it however you want. Um, this does seem like a big Rasul Douglas game. I think that's a good take. Also, um, I want to raise a red flag. Last week, and I don't know if this is because of the rain. Maybe you can answer this. But Justin Fields is playing with two gloves on. And Kenny Pickett does that. And there is nothing that is more anti-eye test than a quarterback Bad wearing two gloves. Yep. Tarod Taylor kind of stuff there. A Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Back in the day. Maybe it was just a rain thing and I could end up being wrong. Uh, but if, if he comes out with two gloves against the Packers, I think the Packers win by 25. Yeah. They're covering. I'm going to live bet it immediately if he comes out with two gloves. That's a great take. I don't like the two glove look. It, it just means bad things. It's like you're on the green on a golf course and you're putting with your glove on. It's just, it's unacceptable. And it's not even whether you're good at it or not. It just visually, like, there's nothing more anti-eye test than putting with a glove on. But in the back and pocket. And the eye test is you know? very important. It, it It's significant. It means a lot. 
I'm half yes. joking, but I'm I, glad we're an eye test show. Well, it's, it's all about being selective, you know, like you can get, it's not all about analytics as the people who don't like analytics say, and I agree. And then I also side with the people that, you know, are into the numbers. I'm, I'm into many of them. It's all about being selective. You're a huge numbers guy, but I also love that you appreciate the eye test because there's a big story to be told by the eye test. 877-867-1670 predictions for Sunday. What do you see from the Packers team, the Packers defense? As a whole, I wanted to hit on this quick uh, before we get Mike Clemens coming up at at one thirty in about fifteen minutes. He'll join us. Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, did speak with the media yesterday. He was asked, uh, "Did he feel he had enough talent to play uh, in the secondary to stay in zone against Jefferson and the Vikings?" Going into the game, you know, with it being the first game of the year, I we think that Jair Alexander's. If not D, he's one of the best corners in the National Football League. But we feel pretty dang good about Eric Stokes and, and Rasul Douglas as well. This is Joe Barry. I just, Grant, uh, I've been alerted by uh, the people uh, from upstairs. Even though there isn't an mm-hmm. upstairs, I'm on the top floor. No, someone called in. Okay. I need to go to the phones. This is very important. <laughs> Let's go to line okay. one. We have a take about putting with a glove on. Go ahead. Line one. I've played, I've played golf since I was seven years old. Yeah. And I used to take my glove off, but it's just tiring to put it in your pocket and then put it back on and then take it off again. It's I got not you. It's bad to put with your glove on. I got you. But I did you ever formulate when you were better putting, like confidence-wise and, you know, stroke-wise? Well, I was a better putter in high school, but that's because I played every day. That's fair. That's very fair. I can't argue with that. Listen, I, it's the beauty of uh, a very arbitrary eye test is I, there's no way to really confirm it because it's not, you know. And I just love that left hand being way whiter than the white hand because it doesn't get the sun. Oh, yes. Like, you know I'm a golfer when I go out to the bar. Um, I'm that way with my ankles. <laughs> I, I have the grossest ankle line, you know, sock tan ever. Because when I play golf, I walk, so the back of the back of the calves get get a lot of sunlight, and then uh, the tan line is just impossible to get rid of. I, it's just a laziness thing. Like I get what you're saying, but like my friend has lost his glove three times in the last week because he puts it in his pocket and then falls out. Yeah, I haven't lost a glove in years. That's a very fair point. Listen, I'm not going to argue with any of those points. Uh, I would <laughs> I would say that, you know, I test wise, it doesn't look great, but hey, whatever works, works. That's the beauty of golf. You know, if the ball gets, if as long as you could get it in the hole, what matters? The, the real beauty of golf is you remember the three great shots and you forget the other 80. That is also true. Uh, there is a joke to be told in there about Wisconsin's kicker and him chunking the ball 20 yards forward on a big field I, I goal could, attempt. I could kick less. I played soccer all through high school. I could kick left-footed better than our kicker kicks. Uh, yeah, and you could probably hit a golf ball at this point better than, you know, you did that. Appreciate the phone call, man. Thank you. 877-867-1670. Let's go back to the phones. Line two, you're on the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Springer up in Eau Claire. What's going uh, on, man? Golfing, you got to remember, the greatest golfer of all time never took his glove off. So, you're, uh, you're Tiger Woods would take his glove off. You know, the greatest golfer of all time never took his glove off. This is um, a, this is a so, dangerous rabbit hole. 
Yeah. No, it isn't. Jack, Jack Nicholas is the greatest golfer of all time. Never took his glove off. He's the greatest winner of all time. I would push back and oh. say the Tiger's a better golfer. No, but. no greatest, greatest golfer of all time. Um, old school. Anyway, love listening to you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I, I'm not going to do it, Grant. I, I really appreciate the phone call. I, I'm not going to go into that rabbit hole. Um, May I, I chime in and add one thing to this? 100%. I think as a non-golfer, that it looks really cool to hit an incredible shot to put it on the green. And then while you're walking from that shot to the green to take your glove off as you walk. So I just, I don't know that that's a time-saving measure. You just take it off on the walk. And I think it looks badass. Well, that's so a question of whether you're walking or riding in a cart. I'm a big walker. So you have that walk. time always where I take it off after I hit every shot. That's because I just yeah. don't like keeping the glove on. But 100%, once you get a great shot and you see the camera pan and the dude's taking his glove off and, like, Rory's doing his little strut down the fairway, I'm with you, 100%. 877-867-1670. Last one. Let's go to the phones. Line one. You're in the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Hi, Ben. This is Al from Janesville. Al, what's up, man? Not much. Hey, just a little prediction on the game on Sunday. I really think the pack's going to come out strong. I've got it at 31-10. I really do. Ooh. But uh, I, I do. I think they're going to roll them. I, I truly do. I just a, kind of, a lot of frustration after last week, and uh, I just don't think the Bears are that good of a team. But I did want to make a comment. And Grant, little dig from you about 15 minutes ago on last night's game, and you said mm-hmm. the crowd that couldn't figure out how to watch it. Well, I was one of those guys. I'm I was 67. too. I was What's too. That? I couldn't figure out how to download the app on my TV. <laughs> like well, I. I I'm going to be honest with you. I've gone through two days of frustration. I could not do it. I, I'm Like I said, I'm 67, very active. I'm going to be up at Lambeau on Sunday. Everything's good. Oh, right on. So, but, you know, everything's good there. But first of all, my internet and cable TV bill, I pay 278 bucks a month. Ooh, why do I have yeah. to pay more? Yeah, why do I have to pay more to uh, uh, Prime to watch another Thursday night game? Now, I probably would have not signed up for it, but I'm just kind of going down the road. The Packers play one Thursday night game in November, so I want to watch. And sure. I do like watching Thursday night games a little bit, but yeah. I just don't understand the world of the NFL. And it was all NFL money-driven. I get that. But I, I just don't understand why we can't sit down on a Thursday night and watch a game without having to sign up for Amazon. I, I just I just don't get it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, the thing I go back to, is when all of those massive TV contracts are being signed in college, in the NFL, they're signing uh, allegedly Brady and Romo and Breeze for tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. At the end of the day, the people who pay for that are us, which is why I don't look at that money. I'm like, oh, cool, he's making this much. Uh, Because I know I pay for that in the long run. It's it's just about inconveniencing, and you pay as much as you possibly can for everything. And, yeah, I, I don't like it. I'm with you. Make a little mental note on this, Ben and Grant. Uh, when the Packers do play that game in November, I think it's like November 17th or something like that, yep. the fans of Wisconsin are going to be outraged when they can't uh, oh, access yeah. that game. You know, right oh, now yes. it's a little bit iffy just for the true NFL people that like watching football. But when they miss that game, a Packer game, yeah. you're going to get phone calls left and right that next day. It's, there's going to be a huge frustration on this whole thing. I'm ready for it. It's oh, on yeah. the calendar. I appreciate the phone call, man. we got to run. Uh, 877-867-1670. Mike Clemens joining us in about 13 minutes. Um, I will know Grant quickly as we go to break. Bally Sports has trained this state to be mad at television providers. So I think oh, they're yeah. ready for it.
we're ready. We've been preparing. All right. Sharpening our pitchforks. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Mike Clemens joins us in a few. It's the Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.